Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are back on a Monday and we had so much fun doing by ourselves. Uh, we're doing it again. Um, it is me and Dennis once again. I don't know what we said, but we must have said something to scare Matt away. Maybe it was uh, the passion with which we were discussing our by ourselves. But uh Wanted to say we are proud members of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find all the shows on the network at hashtag TPPN. Letters are tricky. It's easy for you to say. Dennis, how are you doing this? Man, other than, uh, you know, we got the pool all wrapped up, ready to go yesterday. And then it's, you know, we got a high of 60 today. So there will be no pool for a few days. Your work is busy. I'm having a ton of fun there. And, uh. Looking forward to diving into some uh, some more buys and sells here. Uh, I'm in five uh, John Bosch Fantasy Cares Eliminators right now. The the final draft will start tomorrow. So uh, as of tomorrow, I'll have five of those drafts going on all at one time. So, and the, I don't know if you've looked at the scoring for any of those for all of those. It's insane. It's just totally crazy. It's like you know, it, it's. I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I'm just guessing. I mean, the scoring is so jacked up. Like, there's you get negative points for pass attempts, negative points for rush attempts. It's it's just weird. I I don't get it. Uh, I I haven't taken enough time, so I'm just using different strategies in every one, and hopefully one of them hits. I'm pretty sure I would get negative points for my personal pass attempts as well. Um, so I get that, but. You're talking about 60 degrees as a high, you know, being kind you of low, low mark for you. We got to 60 degrees today for a high, and it's never felt so good. We we got a lot of snow. I think uh, when we were on the show Friday, I mentioned it was starting to uh, go. We ended up with nearly a foot uh, of snow. So I have a lot of tree limbs that used to be in a tree that are now stacked up in my front yard. Um we did not see 40 degrees on Saturday. Um, barely saw 40 degrees yesterday. Today it got into the mid 50s, but now big rain storms coming. They said we may get more snow flurries. It's been fascinating. It definitely, this is the first, that was the first weekend after all the kids got out of school and they're getting ready for the Air Force Academy graduation on Wednesday. I'm sure my friend who runs Falcon Stadium has got to be a little nervous. 
So have had your trees started to bud yet? Oh like, yeah, they were in that, full bloom. That's did, why they all came them? down. Yeah. Uh, no, it didn't kill them. It just was so heavy. It was a heavy wet snow, and there was the weight. Um, they said twelve inch. This is probably exciting for everyone. Twelve inches of snow produced three and a half inches of water. Usually in the winter, they said something like twelve inches of snow produces half an inch of water. So wow. it was. It was a lot having to go out in the middle of the night and shake shake your trees so that as much snow as possible could drop off the branches. It's been a fun, fun time. Speaking of fun, Jadavion Clowney, back to the Browns. Does that make you excited? You know, he's largely not lived up to his hype coming out of college throughout his career. Um, but what I will say is when the hype is you're going to be one of the best ever, and then you have a 10 or 12 year career of just being really, really good. I suppose that, you know, he, he doesn't get the sack numbers, um, that I think a lot of people thought he would coming out, but playing opposite of miles Garrett, um, in the Cleveland defense is coming around. We've got some great defensive backs. You know, Deshaun Watson, I think, will put our offense in better position to score points. So I do like the signing. I think he's a good fit for the team. Um, he definitely still has a lot left in the tank. You know, from an IDP perspective, you know, he's not one of the top guys you're looking at because he just doesn't get the sack and tackle numbers that you would be looking for for an IDP producer. But from a football standpoint, I think it's a great move. It's great for him, and it's great for Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland trying to get back in the postseason. Well, you know, on, on Friday, if people were with us, your your dumpster dive recommendation at wide receiver was Kenny Galladay, who you can't quit, who's there in New York. Yeah. I like to think that Brian Dable listens to the show because shortly thereafter, he came out talking about how he would like Daniel Jones to just go out there and rip it. Was that music to your ears? It was. It, you know, I roster Galladay in a few spots, and as somebody that I think could be my – it's probably my wide receiver three. He has the he has wide receiver two potential. He he's a big wide receiver, deep downfield threat guy, uh, red zone threat. Can go up and get the ball. He doesn't get a ton of separation. Um, and you know, I've been throwing around the idea that how much separation is enough separation, and how much separation just means a guy can't get open. And I think throughout his career, he's shown that he gets enough separation to be able to be good at contested catch. Um, and there's, you know, there's definitely a difference between him and say someone like JJ Ortega Whiteside, who doesn't get separation either, but isn't good and doesn't get even enough to be good at contested catches in the NFL. So I like it. I I hope Jones takes it to heart and and is willing to have a. You know, if he's willing to have a 15 interception season, he could end up with 30, 35 touchdowns um, just by being gutsy enough to go go for it. And, you know, he's got to get a little Jameis Winston in him and and just believe his guy's going to win the battle. And Galladay is that guy. So I, I like it. I, I hope it comes to fruition. I don't hope he gets 15 interceptions, but. 
you know, you got to be willing to, I guess. That's my that's my point. Well, I mean, Galladay signed that massive free agent contract last year, and it didn't seem like they really knew how to or employed using him hardly at all. He was almost a non-factor, which was frustrating for those of us that have enjoyed his, his talent. I was excited to see where he'd land. I was kind of bummed about him landing in New York and even more bummed when I saw the way they did it. But let's hope, you know, Brian Dayball definitely has run some up-tempo offenses. He was able to work with Josh Allen and turn him into, you know, a premier quarterback in the NFL. So I I have some hopes too, that we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back. I think it'll clarify things too, if the Giants can figure out who exactly they're trying to target. Um, but it'd be nice. I know people that roster Galladay and roster Saquon Barkley and have for a few years, it would be nice to see them bounce up a little. New York has invested in its offensive line. So maybe that will help things as well. Well, as I said, we're going to move to some buy or sells. We're going to look at running backs, uh, four running backs, four receivers today. Uh, all four of these running backs are currently going in the top 24, and that's why we thought it'd be interesting to take a look. The first one out of the gates is Antonio Gibson coming into year three with the Washington Commanders. He's currently going as RB12 and 24 overall. All these ADPs come off of Fantasy Pros, which is a combination of, uh, I think, about five different sites. Gibson, converted uh, wide receiver, weren't sure what we were going to get, had a really phenomenal rookie year, kind of busted out. Last year came in with a whole lot of expectations, did okay, 258 carries, which was a lot, cracked 1,000 yards, just got to 1,037, only seven TDs, came back a little bit in that territory, had 42 receptions, not, not terrible. But it seems like Washington has – uh, given a lot of indications that they don't plan on him being the guy back there. They worked real hard to get J.D. McKissick back. He actually flipped on a potential deal with Buffalo to come back. Then they drafted Brian Robinson Jr. When uh, we had Chris Harris on, he mentioned he thought that might have been a sign that they're not intending to re-up Antonio Gibson when his contract expires in a couple of years. Do any of these things give you pause? Well, I, I certainly think so. You know, they 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 like McKissick as a pass catcher. Brian Robinson brings a three-down skill set. And what we've heard reported is that Rivera and Turner think that Gibson left a lot of yards on the field um, because of his inexperience as a running back. So while he's a dynamic athlete, he's big, 6'2", 220, played wide receiver in college as well as a little bit of running back. This is really his first opportunity these last two years to be a full-time running back. And it may just be that this is as good as he's, he's going to be at running back. And, you know, they, they want somebody that is more natural at it. Now he's got over an 80% catch rate on passes. And that shows from being a wide receiver, though, how many of those were actually just dump offs and fairly easy plays. Who knows? But uh, he did average seven yards per reception. And so there may be an opportunity for him to take on more. If, if Robinson steps up, maybe Gibson takes on more of the receiving work from McKissick because that is a, that may be a little more natural uh, at Running back 12, though, uh, and the 24th overall pick, I'm I'm kind of hesitant to 
to maybe go there. It's it's a little bit rich for me for somebody that all off season they've basically been telling us we just don't think he's quite good enough to be the guy. So we're gonna have a three-headed backfield. And you know, he he could get under 200 carries this year. Now, if his targets go up by 30 or 40, it, it probably won't matter. But that would mean then McKissick's targets are going to go down significantly. Um, it's, it's you know, it's the balance of the great athletic ability and size and, and ability to be a three-down back versus a guy in Brian Robinson that's may not as talented, may not be as gifted athletically, but because he's always played running back, he just has a, a better feel for things. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of my concern. You know, last last year um, I got an offer uh, to trade Gibson to for Josh Jacobs and two firsts, and I ended up taking that deal, and I feel a lot better about it today. than you know, at the time I was like, man, he seems like a diamond in the rough. And if you're a dynasty – uh, player and you took him in a rookie draft, you probably got him late second or early third. You've gotten two years of an incredible return. This would be a great time to maybe flip him. And if you're not going to flip him in some of the places where I've had him and I'm, I'm, I'm not out on him necessarily, but I have, if I've had an opportunity, grabbed a Brian Robinson just in case, because you never know. I think there are a lot of questions with the commander's offense in general because they have a quarterback change. They added another wide receiver who knows exactly what the identity is going to be. Um, I've loved what we've seen from Gibson, but I'm with you. I, I, you know, prior to the draft, I still had him borderline top 12, but post-draft and everything that they have coming out, I don't think that you can have him as a top 12 dynasty back right now. Yeah, I I think you're still going to have to probably take him if you want him late in that second round. And and I just don't think I can go there. Looking at the, the Dynasty Nerds trade browser, which pulls actual trades from people who are in uh, some of the more than 10,000 members, uh, in the nerd herd and dynasty GM that Antonio Gibson for David Montgomery mm. straight up. I mean, it's the, here's my, th- I, I think if it, to me, if I got last year's Montgomery, I'm thinking probably because he is the show this year though. I don't know what's that team just looks like is going to be so bad. He's also year. another guy that's, that's on a contract. So, I mean, Gibson, you figure has at least two more years from Washington and some kind of role. Montgomery, who knows where he ends up. I think this is his fourth year. This is his fourth year. He was a second round pick. This is a contract year. Yeah. Antonio Gibson for a random 22 first was one. But Antonio Gibson for Zeke Elliott in a 23 second. I'd move him for that. I mean, I think Zeke is going to have a better year than him this year. Give me that that second round pick in next year's draft. Yeah. On top of it, I don't know. You know, and I feel like Gibson is going to have to undergo a metamorphosis. He, he's going to somebody's going to have to take a look at him and go, "Hey, we're going to let you go back to doing what you do best, which is catch the ball." Yeah. And run occasionally. Give him, you know, 
75 to 100 carries and 80 to 90 targets instead of 260 carries and 50 targets. Yeah, which if they hadn't brought back McKissick, you'd feel better about. But I guess we will see how their offense shakes out. Well, McKissick's getting up there. He's got to be, what, 28 now, somewhere in that range? Somewhere. Well, another third-year running back uh, makes the list, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He is currently going as RB24 and 56 overall. He uh, came out, was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round going into 2020, and that made him a very hot commodity in rookie drafts. In many places, he went 101 that year. Had a modest... Absolutely crazy. He had a modest year one, but definitely was uh, gave those who roster him pause in year two. He was limited to 10 games uh, because of injuries. Only had 119 carries, 517 yards, and four touchdowns on the ground. 23 targets, 19 receptions, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. So basically, he was averaging about 12 carries and two receptions a game, which is not what you were looking for uh, when you originally took CEH this offseason. The Kansas City Chiefs signed Ronald Jones. He's only on a one-year deal, but we have definitely seen him help shoulder a good chunk of rushing load. Dennis, how are you feeling about CEH? You know, I think this is going to be his best year. Um, What we're buying is that on a team with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow said that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the best player. Andy Reid saw enough of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, enough in him to take him over DeAndre Swift, whom most people thought Reid was going to take in that first round. Um, No Tyreek Hill. I think the offense could be more running back-centric in 2022. Uh, You know, he only had 23 targets in 10 games last year. By running back-centric, I don't mean they're just going to pound it. Uh, and I think when they do pound it, I do think they're going to pound it with Ronald Jones. But I, I think Jones probably ends up with maybe 200 carries, a little under. So he's going to get some opportunity to grind it out. But I think Edwards Alaire is going to be the starter. He's going to, you know, push for 70 targets. And he, he's going to end up in the 150 carry range, 180 carry range. Uh, I, I definitely like him. Uh over Ronald Jones, but there's you're, you're going to have a couple games this year that Edwards Alaire lays an egg because Kansas City gets out to a big lead and they're trying to grind it away with Ronald Jones and Derek Gore. Um, you know, my biggest concern: he's heading into year three and he hasn't taken control of the job yet. He's they've given him every opportunity. Uh, I do think he'll be able to hold off Ronald Jones and and he'll be the starter this year. Uh, If he stays healthy, I think he starts all 17 games. And like I said, 70 to 80 targets, 150 to 180 carries. Um, You know, he'll be a high-end RB2, I think. So we we saw a recent trade for him uh, posted on Twitter that I pulled uh, where somebody traded Clyde Edwards-Hurlaire and got back Brees Hall, who's pretty much going 101 in all formats right now, and George Pickens. What do you think of that deal? I probably am going to take the Brees Hall side. I think yeah. Hall is going to get a solid 60% share of the running back touches in New York. 
as much as I like Michael Carter, it will be a timeshare, but it's going to be weighted to one side, 60-40, 65-35. Uh, I like Pickens' ability, and you know we've talked before about uh, Pittsburgh's ability to identify and develop wide receivers. Um, I think Pickens is going to become a, a good friend of Kenny Pickett. He's a classic X receiver. There's I saw today some talk about moving Claypool into the big slot role. So you got Pickens and uh, Deontay Johnson on the outside. Uh, I think those guys will will be more productive. But uh, you, you know, it's it's definitely. I, I think it, if you're so, I would want Clyde Edwards-Helaire as my RB three or RB four on my team. You know, I think Brees Hall will get enough volume to be an RB2. Yeah, and I would definitely take that trade. I'm less bullish on CEH than you. He he never really lived up to probably the hype going into the first wave of rookie drafts, which was inarguably too high, um, right. you know, as people falling in love with Kansas City. And that's been my hesitation, honestly, this year a little bit with a James Cook and a Sky Moore as we've seen them kind of rising up because sometimes the opportunity looks great. You don't know how they're going to end up being used. You're right. Andy Reid saw enough in him that he took him where he took him in the draft. He also saw enough out of him in two years that he was happy to go sign Ronald Jones. He was happy to use Darrell Williams um, for significant time last year uh, in in those roles. And you know, you're you're possibly right about you know 100, 170, 180 carries, 70 targets. I think he could get there. I don't know how efficient he's going to be on that rb2 would be to me his ceiling i feel safer kind of like you said if he was your rb3 or four but if you can find a true believer that still thinks he's our fringe rb1 i'm moving him in a heartbeat so let me ask you this uh clyde edwards alaire or antonio gibson i'd take gibson yeah yeah i think i would too all right. Well, from two guys who uh, who have questions to a guy who really improved his fortunes in 2021, and that is James Conner. He moved to the Arizona Cardinals last year on a one-year prove-it deal after a four-year rookie contract in Pittsburgh where he had some high highs but struggled to stay on the field, and he had a phenomenal 2021. He is now currently going as RB21, uh, 41 overall last year. Uh, he really uh, only 752 rushing yards, but he had 15 rushing touchdowns. He also caught 37 passes for three additional touchdowns, 375 yards receiving. But even better, this offseason, while Chase Edmonds moved to Miami, James Conner got a brand-new three-year deal and does not have a lot of competition. So how are you feeling about James Conner these days? Is that Eno Benjamin slander I'm hearing from you? I'd take Keontae Ingram over Eno Benjamin. Jonathan Ward dismissiveness. Jalen Samuels reticence. <laughs> now, I, I, you know, here's what I'm buying. He heads into the season as the RB1 in Arizona. James Conner is a red zone monster with three down capability. Is he, you know, J.D. McKissick in the passing game? No, but he's a good pass protector, and he's a capable pass catcher. Um, 
My concerns are that he tends to get slowed down by injuries. He's one of these tough guys that gets dinged up and he plays through it and he loses some effectiveness. Um, another concern is that Arizona is a pass-first team. Uh, they're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, but they went out and got Marquise uh, Brown. They've got Zach Ertz, uh, Antoine Wesley, who came on last year. Uh, I think they got uh, – did they bring A.J. Green back officially or the ghost of him? They did indeed bring A.J. Green back officially. <laughs> they have Rondale Moore somewhere yeah. out there. So, they drafted Trey McBride. Max Williams yeah. still exists. So it, it's it's going to be um, Connor in the running game until he inevitably breaks down. Could he not break down? Sure, he could not break down. But I think from what we've seen throughout his career – uh, part of the reason he was so successful last year was that he had uh, Chase Edmonds to split time with. Edmonds was a um, capable runner between the tackles. And so whoever is spelling James Conner this season is going to have to be able to carry some of the load on the ground as well. So it may bode well for Keontae Ingram, who is a bigger back. Uh, he's He's bigger than than uh, Ward, I believe, and, uh, you know, Benjamin. Um, but, man, it's – I don't know if I could can go there as running back 15, uh, pick 39, so what, third, third, fourth, third or fourth pick into the fourth round. Um, it might be just a little bit too rich for me. I, I want to, uh, but I, I'm probably – I probably have two running backs at that point. And if I'm looking in, in super flex, I I'm probably definitely in by the early in the fourth round, taking a look at quarterback, um, couple running backs. And then I, I kind of like the elite tight end build. So I probably wouldn't be looking at another running back until maybe the fifth round. I might go running backs in five and six even and get me one one elite quarterback, one elite uh, tight end, and, and two top-end running backs, uh, and then add a couple more just so I have that depth, and then slam about eight rounds worth of uh, wide receiver. The uh, I, see, I see Connor going on the trade browser for a 23 first. Yeah, for, and I'm doing that probably all day because yeah. James Conner was a zero RB savior last year. He was, you know, a guy you, you got and that, but part of me has to feel as much as I have enjoyed James Conner and I had him, you know, cause I had a lot of shares of Le'Veon Bell. I had him behind Bell and he was a serviceable fill-in. Injuries are a concern. We saw him even get banged up a little bit last year, but I have to feel like last year's performance was just about his peak, and it was insane touchdown numbers. I mean, 18 touchdowns. We've seen that from people before, have an explosive touchdown season that is really hard to recapture. If you were looking at the rest of his stats, 752 yards rushing on 200 carries, that's not a great per rush average. Um, you know, receptions will help. PPR will help. I think he'll have a decent RB2 season, but I'm – trying to capitalize on the hype right now yeah uh another trade in here um james connor for aj dylan and romeo dobes so, oh, i'm still keeping connor because i i'm not an aj dylan believer i'm sorry man i'm coming around on him i 
in a standard league startup I did earlier this year. I, I took Dylan as my RB too. I just feel like he's all hat and no cattle. Yeah, well, he's he's carrying some beef there. I don't know if you've seen those thighs. I have indeed. Well, the last of our running backs is another guy who's going still insanely high and has a track record to kind of prove it, and that is Alvin Kamara. He is currently going as RB11, 18 overall, which is probably a little lower than he's gone in years past. Uh, he had another solid season last year, carried the ball 240 times, which was by far a career best. Got almost 900 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Only had 47 receptions and 67 targets. It was the first time in his career he's had less than 81 receptions. It's because he missed some time. He was limited to 13 games and 10 starts and also was more of a rusher in that offense. I think the hesitation for a lot of people comes from the potential off-the-field issues. For those that aren't aware, he was arrested just before the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas and still faces some adjudication for that. So that combined with age and a possibly shifting New Orleans offense, how are you feeling about Alvin Kamara these days? Man, I I can't buy in at RB11. Um, pick number 18. I I want I don't know. So I, I think sometimes one of the things I forget about Alvin Kamara is that he's 5'11 and 215, which is ball carrier size, but he's got pass catcher receiving skills. So he does have the frame to be able to carry the load, but he never has, he didn't do it in college and he didn't do it in uh, New Orleans until last year when he had 240 carries, but he wasn't terribly efficient, only 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, he had 67 targets. I mean, that 240 carries was 50 more than 50 carries over his uh, career high prior to last year. Um, you know, I know they brought Mark Ingram back to kind of handle some of that early down grind. I think Abram Smith, who profiles as a more athletic Mark Ingram, uh, they signed him as a free agent. He could potentially come in and grind some out. Dwayne Washington and Tony Jones, I think, are um, core special team kind of guys. And Abram Smith, I think, uh, after playing linebacker several seasons in college before switching to running back, will probably spend most of his career as a uh, core special teamer as well. But I just don't know if I'm ready for 275, 280 carries for Alvin Kamara you know, at 240 carries, he missed four games last year. And, yeah, you know, that's that's a little bit rough. You know, moving, he dropped from 83 to 47 receptions and went from 187 to 240 carries. You know, what, they'd have, what he has going for him is I don't think Ingram, Jones, Smith, and Washington are really a threat to his touches. If he wants the ball, he's going to get the ball. And the QB situation is settled there after the whole, and you can plug your ears here, Taysom, Taysom Hill experiment. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Jameis stays out there, and I actually think even if they end up having to go to Andy Dalton, we've seen him use running backs, we've seen him as a capable passer. 
when it comes to looking at trades, I agree with you. I would probably hesitate in a startup to take him there. I think that ADP is still a little bit too high. If you're in a trade scenario, if I have him, I'm probably not uh, liking any of the offers I'm getting right now because people are trying to buy low on the uncertainty. However, if you don't have him and you find somebody in your league who's panicking and you can buy low due to the uncertainty, I still think it's worth a swing. Um, you know, if you look at his career numbers, it seems like every other year he's had a explosive double digit touchdown output, mm-hmm. and that would be due in 2022. And if you can start getting on one of those grooves and get him have a couple of explosive games, provided he doesn't get some kind of a suspension, that might be an ideal time to maximize on his value. All right, let me throw a couple trades at you Alvin Kamara, straight up for Travis Etienne. Hell no. Superflex, uh, still superflex. Alvin Kamara straight up for Cam Akers. No, I probably wouldn't. I'm not a big Cam Akers truther, though. If yeah. you were, there are a lot of people that think he's he's going to rocket ship to the top 12. If you thought that, that wouldn't be that bad. So coming out, I had Akers as my five, and then after, um, or at my at four, RB four. And Edwards Alaire at five. And after Edwards Alaire landed in KC, he moved up to four. So they just flipped. Uh, J.K. Dobbins in a 22 second for Alvin Kamara in a 22 fourth. Yeah, I, I would probably do that. Yeah, I like the Dobbins side on it. I think Dobbins actually has a legitimate shot to rocket ship up. He's in a good rushing offense. And to me, you're buying him on a little bit of a discount because of that ACL tear. Yeah. How about Alvin Kamara straight up for Cortland Sutton? The NBA playoffs means next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Again, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can also bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings' same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! You have a shot at even bigger payouts. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get free up to $25 back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit httpccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. That is 1-877-770-7867. In Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Text HOPE-NEW-YORK or 46739 in New York or visit opgr.org. For Oregon, call or text Tennessee's red line 1-800-889-9789-188-532-3500 for Virginia, 21 and up, 18 and up in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. I guess it really depends on my roster there. I, I yeah. think Cortland Sutton's in for a, a good year. He's still the receiver, I think, is the best in Denver, and I'm higher on him probably than some other people have been for a while. If I needed a wide receiver and was set at running back, I would, but that's – it's hard when you see those trades across position because it really depends on your league and your makeup. Like I'm in one league where we start one running back and play three wide receivers and it's 16 teams. I would probably do that because wide receiver is a much more of a premium. Yeah. Speaking of wide receivers, we're going to turn the page and the first one we are going to get to is the shiny new weapon for Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, and that is Amari Cooper. He is going currently as wide receiver 18, 47 overall. Kind of shows you how quickly running backs are moving in a lot of the drafts right now. Cooper has played uh, eight seasons. Wait, seven seasons? Yeah, because it doubles it out. Seven seasons, three and a half with the Raiders, three and a half with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, was a pretty big factor for Dallas. Saw 429 targets, got 292 receptions, 3,893 yards, and 27 touchdowns in his partnership with Dak Prescott. Now he gets Deshaun Watson, and he is pretty much the predominant game in town in Cleveland. They let go of Austin Hooper. They have your uh, sleeper tight end and David Njoku there. Behind Cooper at wide receiver, they have Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, currently. I'm sure there's other people because I'm not the Browns homer. But how are you feeling about Amari Cooper? Well, here, here's what I'm buying when it comes to Amari Cooper. So pick 49. So that's the 501. 47. Oh, okay. Did, I guess, did you update it? No, 18 oh. over, eight, wide receiver 18, 47 overall. Oh, okay. Well, I must, oh, my bad. Um, so that's the four four eleven. Um, so we're buying that he's the clear wide receiver one in Cleveland. Um, provided Watson plays 17 games, it's not a downgrade from Dak Prescott. Uh, 
It may be even a little bit of an upgrade. And he's got a great running game uh, in Cleveland to provide balance and help open it up. You know, one of the downsides, you know, we're selling, he's moving to a lower volume pass offense. Cleveland, they're just not going to throw the ball as much as Dallas. Um, I mean, I guess, that is it out of the question that they do? No, but probability-wise, they're not going to throw the ball as much as Dallas. Um, and if he's so great, why is he on his third team? You know, that's there's is he the new Brandon Cooks? Is that what's going to happen? You, you know, he's going to play a couple years and a whole bunch of different stops and just keep putting up 1,000-yard seasons, though uh, uh, he didn't put up 1,000 yards last year. Um, you know, I like, I like the, the player a lot. I'm probably not in, uh, in the fourth round, um, in a startup and super flex startup. I'm probably not starting on wide receiver until the sixth round or maybe even the seventh round, unless I'm taking one of the elite guys, Justin Jefferson or, or Jamar Chase or CD Lamb. If I'm taking somebody in that range, um, you know, Amari, that's that's not where he's at in his career. Uh, he's somebody I definitely would love to have as, you know, my RB2 or, or excuse me, wide receiver two or three. Um, I think he's going to put up a lot of points. But we have seen him disappear in the past and go a couple games being a complete non-factor. So, while he brings a lot to the table for Cleveland, it's definitely going to be uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a roller coaster ride between his tendency to occasionally disappear and Cleveland's, you know, ability to sometimes just run the ball down people's throats. Yeah, I like Cooper. Um, I've always liked Cooper. I do think he. This is solid Do you still like him even though he's not on Dallas anymore? Yeah, it wasn't just because I actually first started trading from when he was on the Raiders, which tells you how much I liked. Um, I feel like he's still going to be a solid wide receiver too, but I like him a little bit lower in the wide receiver too. I'd feel better if his ADP was telling me he was wide receiver 21, 18, feels a touch high. Uh, but I think it's right on value, which makes him a real difficult asset. I don't think you can get a good, you know, good deal in trading for him or get a lot trading him away right now. You probably have to see that that's another situation too, where there's a lot of uncertainty. I'd be curious if you have any cool trades you pulled up with. So a lot of them are, okay, let's see. Cooper for 22 first. I mean, I guess that that's the question there for me would be, are you rebuilding? Right. Because if you're competing, I think I'd rather have Amari Cooper, a known quantity in a, what could be a good offense. If you're rebuilding, you take the younger player. Well, and I'd like to know like where that first is, you know? I mean, either way, I think you're pretty much getting one of these wide receivers unless you, you know, um, I doubt anyone's trading a top top end first round pick for him. Right. And so you're looking at, you know, is it Christian Watson for Amari Cooper or Sky Moore for Amari Cooper? Is it that range? If it's Drake London, Garrett Wilson, 
you know, I'm, I'm probably wanting London or Wilson. Um, let's see, where was that other one? Um, Amari Cooper and Alan Lazard for a 24 first and a 24 second. I'm keeping the receivers because Alan Lazard's probably going to return decent value too. 20, when you go more than the next draft out, that's, you know, we love to play Dynasty forever, but you can't be 100% sure. Well, I, I guess to me, if I can convince who I'm trading with that that 24 first is valuable because of the class, I mean, in 23, I can trade for 24 first and get a first back. But if I can trade a 24 first to get a premium player, uh, I'm all about it. Oh, it's uh, good if you're trading the picks. I'm just saying if I have the receivers, I'm not I'm not doing that. So Deontay Johnson for Amari Cooper and Marquez Valdez Scanling. I would I would probably do that. I like Deontay Johnson better. Um, but there's another one where I, I forgot until Matt pointed out he's in a contract year too. If Pittsburgh doesn't re-sign him, you know, does he end up in a Kenny Galladay situation? Yeah, sometimes it can get scary when they go to a new team. Uh-huh. Well, one wide receiver who didn't end up changing teams is our next guy, which is Mike Williams. He ends up uh, re-signing with the Chargers for a nice little long-term deal. He is currently going as wide receiver 23 and 60th overall. He has played with the Chargers for all five of his professional seasons last year in a new scheme and a new system was by far his best. Saw 129 targets, got 76 receptions for 1,146 yards and nine touchdowns. He gets to keep rolling with Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. How are you feeling about Mike Williams these days? You know, I love Mike Williams. He, he is uh, currently 27, so he's entering what – should be his real peak years. And my concern is that uh, if that team gets grooving with the running game or passing to the backs, you know, the the volume that Keenan Allen gets could hamper him and he could end up with a, you know, what is a good season at 49 catches for a thousand yards that he had back in 2019 but it limits, you know, the volume there, only 90 targets versus 129 targets last season uh, in 16 games. He's a big guy. You know, we're buying. He's got a clear role in the L.A. offense. He's the outside receiver. He's the downfield guy. You know, he's, what, six foot three, six foot four, 225 pounds. He's put up big yards and big TDs with Keenan Allen healthy. And I think the, you know, he showed last year that he can do it. And Justin Herbert is a guy that the 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 Chargers believe in to to move that offense through the air. Uh, he has had some consistency issues in the past, and the team does have a lot of weapons with Eckler and, and Keenan Allen. You know, they drafted Isaiah Spiller, who's, uh, you know, despite his poor athletic testing is a pretty good running back. So they've, they've got weapons there. Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer came on last year. And when uh, Williams was out, Josh Palmer stepped right into his role and looked good doing it. So they do have some weapons. 
wide receiver 23, 60 overall. So that's what, the end of the fifth. I think that's if I'm drafting. And so how I like to build teams a lot of times and go running back early, elite tight end, elite quarterback, I feel like there's a better wide receiver I'm going to get at 60. I'm probably looking more for, um, you know, Deontay Johnson, a Mike, uh, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, than I am for Mike Williams. I'm probably more comfortable with Williams as my wide receiver too. So if he was to drop to me in the next round, I'd be perfectly happy going um, uh, Pittman Williams back to back. Yeah. And I guess my concern about Mike Williams is what is his usage going to be? Because at that price, it feels like you're really buying the boom. And we saw the boom early on. There was a lot of talk that they wanted him, you know, Joe Lombardi came over to be the offensive coordinator, that they wanted Mike Williams to be that Michael Thomas from the peak of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he had 12, 10, and 9 targets first three games out of the gate, had a 16-target game in week five in this back-and-forth shootout. He also had nine games where he had seven targets or less. And he only had three touchdowns after week Five. So you had a lot of kind of games where you were relying on Mike Williams, where he got you two for 27, two for 19, two for 58, four for 33, five for 97 and touchdowns good, but then four for 39, six for 61, three for 49, three for 63 gets you a touchdown, kind of bails it out. But it, it's like what you said, Keenan Allen, I think, is the far more reliably consistent producer. Mike Williams has some high highs, but then you have to ride through – a myriad of like five to 10 point games. And, at, you know, at wide receiver 23, where you're hoping to put in a wide receiver that's going to boom for you, it didn't happen quite enough for me at that price point. I like him better if he was my wide receiver three. Yeah, he's, you know, consistency is his Achilles heel. So what do you think about this? Mike Williams in a 23-4, this is super flex, for Aaron Jones. I mean, I'd probably take Aaron Jones. I feel like Aaron Jones might be in for Le'Veon Bell type usage. It also depends, again, on on structure and format of a league. But Mike Williams or Devonta Smith? I'm probably sticking with Mike Williams. I trust the Chargers' offense a little bit more, and Devonta Smith is not the number one for Philly. He may end up being the number three or four option because I, I still think Goddard, they like him, and obviously A.J. Brown. Uh, Mike Williams or Michael Thomas? I'm going to take Williams. I don't know what we get in Thomas. Yeah, that, there's so much uncertainty there. So my, last one, Mike Williams Oh, that's a that's not a good one. Or a second round pick, Mike Williams or twenty two first. I mean, to me, that's are you competing or are you rebuilding? Right. Um, it's that'd be my same argument because I think Mike Williams is a playable player every week, and if you're competing, he's going to have some weeks that he wins you. He's just going to have some weeks where, you know, he doesn't help you that much. All right. Well, our next wide receiver is another guy who sometimes has been boom bust, and that's Marquise Brown. He was traded this offseason from the Baltimore Ravens to the Arizona Cardinals, where he pairs with his former college teammate, Kyler Murray. He's currently going as wide receiver 28 
and 63 overall. I still don't know how some of this math works. It's kind of fascinating. But uh, last year, he did have a career year with Baltimore. It was year three for him. He's going into year four. They've already picked up the fifth-year option, so he knows he has at least two years uh, in the desert. But last year, he saw 146 targets, caught 91 passes, first 1,000-yard season, 1,008 yards, and six TDs. He was kind of known as a big deep ball player in years past, had his lowest yards per reception, but again, had a lot more receptions, seemed to be turning into a more reliable receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is there, six-game suspension. He reteams with a player that he has played with in the past. How are you feeling about Hollywood Brown? I'm torn um, in part because of the Hopkins suspension. Uh, how many games did Lamar Jackson miss last year? That like is a or good question. Because I wonder, I'd be curious to see what. Uh, Lamar Brown... Jackson played 12 games last year. Okay, so, sorry. yes, he missed five. Huntley started four. Josh Johnson started one. I'm, I'd be curious what the split was in and out with, with Jackson. You know, did he, did he, did he get fewer opportunities? But, um, so you're right. He has teamed with his college quarterback. He's an explosive playmaker that Arizona has been lacking. Uh, there's no Hopkins for the first six games. Here's here's kind of where I'm at with it. I think he's going to come out of the gate hot. Him and Murray want to prove that they've got it going on, that they're explosive, um, and they're going to come out and try to light it up. But I think in game seven, when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, there's going to be a little bit of pressure to get the ball back to him. Um, you know, he is not going to go quietly into the night. Uh, he thinks he's still the man. He's the alpha on that team. His game and Marquise Brown's game could not be more different. So I do think there's room for both of them. My concern is that Hollywood ends up being uh, relegated to just being a deep threat <coughs> the second half of the year. I'm probably hoping for that smoking hot start, and then I'm going to sell as absolutely high as I can and after like week five. And, and if I can, especially if I'm not competing, I'm like going to try to get a king's ransom for Hollywood Brown. Uh, I think I said earlier when we were talking about uh, rankings earlier in in the the year, I expect Hollywood Brown to be like pushing for low RB one status to start the season, but then drop back after Brown comes back and be more into the the low uh, wide receiver two, not RB one, wide receiver one, and he'll drop back six or eight spots by the time the season is over because he'll have an alpha that's taken opportunities away from him. Yeah, I guess we'll see about that. I think Hopkins started to trail off a little bit last year. I'm curious if that was injuries, if that was inefficiency. You are correct looking at the game log for Marquise Brown. He remained pretty solid in targets, but he did not have any touchdowns after week seven. So the back five games of the season were probably some of his lowest fantasy outputs. He had five for 41 in week 13, 10 catches, but only 43 yards in week 14 against Green Bay, five for 44 
in week 15, three for 28 in week 16, and three for 27 in week uh, 17. So he probably cooled a little bit as he was coming down. Be curious to see if he gets consistent play, although that might make him the perfect Cardinals player, hot out of the gate, non-existent when it matters most in November and December. Right, he's going to fit right in. So I feel like his ADP and everything is starting to rise, though, after the trade. I don't think people were incredibly high on Baltimore because a lot of people ha- thought Bateman would take a step forward, which presumably he will. Um, so I'll be curious to see if his ADP keeps going up now that he's back in Arizona. So how about this trade? Marquise Brown for Tim Patrick in a 22 third. I'm taking Brown. I mean, I love I love me some Tim Pratt Patrick, but that feels like a bargain basement. I, I I'm like, how the hell did that even get accepted? Marquise Brown for James Conner. You know, that probably depends on roster build, but I actually would probably prefer Brown because I think he's younger and a more you know, more he's, fungible he's got position. More, more games in front of him. Marquise Brown or a 22 first. <coughs> That I, you know, I might do whether I was competing or rebuilding because some of, the, if especially if it's a higher end, some of these younger wide receivers. I mean, that's really the question Arizona faced, right? Was do we take one of these young receivers at pick twenty three, or do we go get Marquise Brown? And they opted to take the veteran, who they presume has chemistry. But I might actually opt to take one of the younger guys. How about this one? This is going to be a smash success. Marquise Brown for twenty three first. And Elijah Moore. My God. I mean, definitely taking the first and more because I, I actually have more a little bit higher than Hollywood Brown in my dynasty rankings to begin with. Yeah, I, that one I'd, I'd be smashing except them. All right. Well, our last player we saved probably the most interesting and controversial for last, and that is Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley has top five talent, but uh, is nowhere to be seen most of last year and will be suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season. So these are kind of future picks. Currently, his ADP is still wide receiver 80 and 200 overall. Not only do people have questions, obviously we're not going to see him this year. People have questions about what we are going to see in the future or if he'll even be with the team. There were rumblings that Atlanta was looking to move on from him before this suspension came down. We've seen him be really, really good, but it's been a couple of years. How do you feel about Calvin Ridley? I mean, when he was suspended, he was the unquestioned wide receiver one in Atlanta. Um, And barring suspension, he'd still be the unquestioned wide receiver one in Atlanta. Um, Now we're looking at he's going to be almost 29 when he returns from suspension. He missed a bunch of games in 2021. He's going to miss all of 2022. You know, the Falcons are in a rebuild. I, as soon as as soon as soon they can, I think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to move on. Uh, they may even cut him uh, just to say, let's get out from under. You, you go here, we're going to you, – you, you gave us three really good years. Go take care of your own business. Find you some place to play. Um, at, we're we're heading in another direction. Uh, I'm not sure what the dead money will look like uh, at that point. Um, but it, you know, I'm I'm not looking to acquire him uh, 
just because I I don't know. He, you know, he could get Kenny Galladay in the New York Giants. He could go somewhere that, you know, he still doesn't fit in, or he goes somewhere that's got two really good receivers already. And, you know, if he was to land in, uh, you know, L.A. with either Los Angeles team, you know, what's his volume going to be there at, at 29 years old uh, joining a new team? You know, there will be opportunities. He could go, you know, he could get traded to Chicago that had maybe they could go out and win five games this year and they show some growth. And it looks like they're moving in the right direction and they need to add uh, a good wide receiver and you can add Ridley cheap. I don't know. Maybe that's something that goes on. I I don't know. I think I'm probably out on him, though, even at wide receiver 80. Yeah, I mean, you really have to know. So there's two situations where you're you're looking at potentially acquiring him. One where you have a really good team and you can afford to have a player sit on your bench because most leagues do not allow you to put a suspended player on IR or on a holding. So you basically have to roll through an entire season with a dead bench spot, which is tough, especially in Dynasty where you're already carrying a certain amount of prospect players usually that you're not expecting a big return from. The other place I could see is if you are a team that's in the midst of a rebuild and you're not really going to be competing anyway, having a player like that on your bench probably isn't doing a big disservice. And it depends on what you can get him for. I took him in a startup where he was my wide receiver seven, I believe. I got him after the 12th round. That seemed like a decent place for me to grab him. On the flip side, if you have him and you had paid a premium to get him, I'm probably holding on to him right now. I mean, this bit me in the backside with Le'Veon Bell, but at this point in time, I I just can't stomach trading somebody that I've seen be a top five receiver for the offers that are coming in right now for for wish dreams because that's what people are offering you. Basically, they're sending you their buy low wish dreams. You wouldn't trade him for Daryl Henderson in a twenty three third. No, Daryl Henderson may not even be on a team next. He's another guy in a contract year. That's like a one-year rental. Yeah, he's going to be replaced by uh, Kyron Williams. Kyron, yeah, I mean. That's, uh, that's just the, the, the model the Rams. that the Rams yeah. are using now. You know, they've decided some posi- – they do it with safety. You know, we're going to draft you when it's – regardless of how good you are, when it's time for a new contract, you got to go. Have you seen any – are there any other interesting trades? I mean, uh, Ridley and Elijah Moore for Saquon Barkley and Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, you have some some upside and some risk. I actually probably would keep Ridley more. Yeah. Ridley for Desmond Ritter in Superflex. It really depends on how desperate you are for quarterbacks, but that – feels like see that's the thing if Ridley doesn't really come back or hands up in a horrendous situation then you feel good about that if he comes back and looks like what he looked like in 2020 that might be one of your life's deepest regrets and that's where right now Calvin Ridley if it just does not feel like the prudent thing to trade him it feels like exactly at the beginning of Le'Veon Bell's holdout yeah it's Calvin Ridley for Jarvis Landry in a 23 third. I'm probably not doing that either because I don't – what is Landry's role going to be on that offense? Slot receiver. You know, that's that's what he is. I, I mean, it can't be anything else really. 
Yeah. Well, probably not the greatest one to end on, but there you go. Hopefully you've enjoyed some of the buy sells. Dennis and I are having fun uh, ch- tossing these out. We will be back with some kind of a show on Friday and possibly all three of us, hopefully. Hey, uh, I, that article I talked about, uh, the rookie quarterback class dropped today over at DynastyNerds.com. Go check out my thoughts on what this rookie QB class looks like to me. Someday I'll be able to write another article again. It's been a rough couple of weeks. Well, here's to hoping we get back to uh, sunnier weather by the time we see you on Friday. Until then, take it easy. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your pop on ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play?